Pecky and Gayo and man, that's a great song. I think that's one of the greatest songs ever written, don't you? When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And thank you, George, so much for sharing your testimony tonight. I've, I've heard him share it many, many times, and I never get uh, tired of it. He's one of these guys that just never got over being saved. Amen? And we get over being saved, we're in trouble. We ought to still have that same joy and same excitement that we had the day we got saved. Uh, about Jesus. Well, it's good to see all of you tonight. If you're glad to be here tonight, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, all right. I hope everybody's had a great day uh, today, and I'm excited about the message the Lord has laid up on my heart tonight as we think about this reset, reset revival, and I've been preaching about things uh, in our spiritual lives that we need to give attention to so that we might draw closer to the Lord, right? And so that's what we're going to continue on tonight. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. I want you to turn to chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading with verse 7 and go down to verse 12. And so I want to invite you, if you would, please, to stand with me out of honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy word. Malachi chapter 3, and I was preaching on this subject one time in a church, I'll never forget, and uh, I had, as soon as I announced my text and got, got into my message, boy, this guy got up and got out of the door as quick as he could. And uh, he knew where I was headed with this. And, you know, this is what I always say about that. You throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the hit dog barks the loudest. Amen? And uh, this is a big part of our walk with the Lord, a very important part of our walk with the Lord. So I believe he wants to say something to us tonight. Beginning at verse 7, Malachi 3 says, Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances, and you've not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, Wherein shall we return? Look at verse 8. In other words, they're saying, Well, Lord, what's, what's wrong? Where, how have we gone away from you? That's how, that's how backslidden they were. And look what he says in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. You say, How have we robbed thee? In tithes. And offerings, two different things. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Improve me, or test me now herein, saith the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there'll not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your wine, uh, your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all the nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you, and we just praise and we glorify your great and mighty and holy name tonight. 
Father, we thank you for the time we've already had together this evening to praise you and worship you through music and song. Lord, I've sensed your presence in this place tonight. And Father, now as we look at your word, we ask once again that you might speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray tonight for every person in this building that, Father, we would have ears to hear but we would also have hearts to obey. So, Father, speak to hearts tonight. If there's anyone here tonight that's never been born again, I pray the Spirit of God would show them that, and I pray that they would come to Christ tonight before it's everlastingly too late. But I pray for every believer that we would search our hearts and we would look at this particular area in our lives that we might submit to your lordship and draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I think most of you have probably been here just about every service, but if you're a type of person that only visits church occasionally, or maybe you've just shown up revival uh, tonight or something, you may leave here tonight saying, every time I go to church, the preacher preaches about money. Huh? Anybody ever heard that? Well, the truth of the matter is I haven't preached about money this week, and very seldom do I ever preach on it. In fact, I can't even remember the last time that I actually did a message on it. I have, but I can't remember when that was because it's been so long ago. But I'll say this, as a traveling evangelist, I ought to preach on it more. I ought to preach on it every single week, and I believe pastors need to preach on it often as well. Because a preacher cannot be true to the Word of God without telling you what all the Word of God has to say, including in the areas of money and material possessions. Did you know that one out of every five verses in the Bible has to do with our stewardship of material possessions? One out of every six verses in the four Gospels deal with this issue. One-third of the parables that Jesus taught have to do with our stewardship of our material possessions. You see, the Bible is a very practical book. There is not an area in your life or my life that's not addressed in the Word of God. For example, the plan of salvation is very clear throughout the Word of God. Amen? I mean, it's all over from cover to cover about how to come to Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The issues of heaven and hell are very clear in the Bible. The Bible makes it very clear that when people die, they're going to go to one or two eternal places. If you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. If you die unsaved, you're going to go to hell. And that's very clear and very specific in the Bible. The essentials for living a Christian life and a joyful, abundant life in Christ are all very clear and spelled out for us in the Bible because God wants us to make sure that his children have the instructions they need in order that our lives can be for his glory. Amen? And this is also true in the area of money or in the area of our finances. So when it comes to financial stewardship for a Christian, giving is a big important part of our walk with the Lord. Now, the Bible makes a very clear distinction between tithes and offerings. 
They're not the same thing, and I'm going to show you why they're not the same thing tonight. So tonight, I want to speak to you on the matter of the tithe, because that's the beginning point for every Christian. I think every Christian ought to give more than a tithe, but I believe you ought to give the minimum of a tithe, because that's the starting point that God requires that we give to him. So let's look at the word tonight at this passage of scripture and I want us to consider five things tonight as we think about this subject. Why every Christian should tithe. Why every Christian ought to tithe. I want us to consider five things tonight and I'll pull them all out of these verses, all right? What are they? Number one, let's consider the principle of the tithe. The principle of the tithe. Go back, if you will, and we're going to go back and forth in these verses, but look at verse 10. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. All right, so the principle of the tithe. He says, bring all the tithe. Friends, it isn't the preacher who says that you need the tithe, although a preacher, we certainly believe that you should. It isn't even the church that says you ought to tithe. It is God who says you ought to tithe. Amen? So with that in mind, let's look at the principle of the tithe. First of all, what is the tithe? Well, the tithe, the word tithe is a Hebrew word, and it actually means a tenth. That's what it means. It is a tenth, and it's translated in English as tithe. And so if you give 1% of your income to the Lord through your church, that's not a tithe. If you give 5% of your income uh, to the Lord through your church, you haven't tithed yet. If you give 9% or 9.5% of your income to the Lord through your church, you still haven't tithed. A tithe is a tenth. Amen? That's what, that's what a tithe is. That's the principle of the tithe. But let me tell you something else about it. It is a separated tenth. It is a separated tenth. You say, what do you mean by that? That's what this very word implies itself. It means it's not the last tenth. It's not taken from what's left over after you pay all your bills and spend all the money on yourself. It is the first tenth. It is a separated tenth. Mark your place there in Malachi and go to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. I want to show you something. You ought to mark these verses in your Bible. In Proverbs, the third chapter, I preached from this chapter last night, but I didn't preach on these verses. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thy increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Amen? So what does he say here? He says you're to honor the Lord. He says you're to honor the Lord with your first fruits. Your first fruits, not the leftovers, if you have anything left over. He says from the very beginning. Amen? Now you may say, well, preacher, man, the tithe to give 10% of my income every single week or every time I get paid, man, that, you know, that would take, that would take a lot of faith. That's right. It is a faith issue as well as an obedience issue. Amen? 
Now, I want to tell you, Brother Mackey and I, we, and Gail, we, we live on love offerings. That's, that's how we live. We're traveling evangelists, and we live on love offerings, not on people's tithes, on love offerings. And I'll talk about that a little further in just a minute. But listen, we're both members of a church, and I'm not at my church very often because I'm in other churches preaching, but the first check that my wife writes every single week, usually I write it and leave it on my desk, is our tithe. We tithe to our local church church. And we give more than a tithe, I promise you. Amen? Every single week. I like to do it every single week. Every single week we tithe unto the Lord through our local church. And by the way, that's not an offering. Uh, that's not a gift. Friends, that is a tithe and I owe that to the Lord and so do you if you're saved. Amen? Absolutely. So that is the principle of the tithe, all right? Now, secondly, I want us to think about the place of the tithe, all right? The place of the tithe. Well, look what he says here. Go back to it, if you will. Verse 10, he said, bring all the tithe into where? The storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. Improve me or test me herein, saith the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there'll not even be room enough to receive it. Man, just that verse there would make me want to tithe. Amen? But, but let's talk about this, the place of the tithe. In the Old Testament, it was the temple, the temple in Jerusalem or the storehouse. You say, what do you mean? Well, the temple in Jerusalem is where all the Jews would go, the Israelites would go to worship. The temple had a storehouse at the temple. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, what that meant, you see, the church didn't exist yet. The church didn't exist until the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Somebody needs to amen that. That's when the church came into existence, not an ounce, not a day before then. That's when the church, that's the birthday of the church. Well, in the Old Testament, the Jews went through the temple in Jerusalem to worship, part of their worship was to tithe. Just like part of your worship and my worship ought to be to tithe. Amen. Amen. And they went there to worship to God. And well, they had a storehouse there. You say, what was that for? The storehouse was for storing grain and seed and fruit as well as other things. Most of the people back in those days were not paid in money. They were not given a paycheck like you and I are, but they could bring some of the first fruits from their crops or from their herds, and they could bring it to the storehouse where it would be stored to help others, and they could exchange it for money, and then they could take the money, they could take their tithe to the temple and give that to God as an act of worship. Amen? Amen. And so that's why he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Well, the same principle applies today. You and I are not Jews, and we don't live in Jerusalem, and there's no temple anymore. The temple was destroyed. There's no temple or anything, and we're not paid in grain or seed, probably, or not, but we're paid in money. In the place today for the New Testament believer is where? It is where? It is the local church. Amen? That's where you bring your tithe to. Listen, the tithes do not belong to some charity organization. Amen. Hello? Right. Amen. Doesn't belong to some television ministry. Right. 
Your tithe belongs, it, it belongs to the Lord is who it belongs to, but you give your tithe through the local church. Amen? And so the place for the tithe today is the local church that you and I are part of. All other organizations and other ministries, like my ministry, Mackey's ministry, and, and hundreds of other ministries, those are all good things, and it requires money for all these ministries to operate. But listen, we don't want your tithe. Your tithe goes to the local church. Amen. What you give to other ministries, that's an offering. Anything you give above and beyond a tenth is an offering, but not until you've given a tenth. Amen. I've got, I'll just tell you, I support Billy Graham every month. I support his ministry every single month. Been doing it for years and I'm going to keep doing it because I can't think of a better ministry to support. I support Franklin Graham, his son, Samaritan's Purse. That's a separate ministry. I write a check to it every single month. I have another ministry that I support in addition to giving our tithes and our offerings to our, our local church. And so, man, it's a joy to be able to tithe unto the Lord and to give above and beyond on that tithe. Amen? Amen? Knowing that you're funding God's work all across this nation and all across the world, all right? And so we see the purpose of the tithe. We see the place of the tithe. The Old Testament was the temple, the storehouse. New Testament, it's the local church, right? Well, thirdly, let's think about the purpose of the tithe. Why would we tithe? I'm going to give you several things here, but why would we tithe anyway? He says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. He said that there may be food in my house. Well, I want to give you five or six things on the reason, the purpose of the tithe. Number one, I mean, what, what's the purpose of what it's for? Number one, to provide for and support the ongoing ministry of the church, of the local church. Let me ask you something. How many of you enjoy coming to this building in the summer when you got nice air conditioning running? Amen? Huh? How many of you enjoy coming in the winter when it's cold and you've got some heat to keep you warm? Amen? Well, who pays for that? Do you enjoy all the ministry programs? Do you enjoy having a pastor? Who pays for that? Who pays for these utilities? Do you enjoy supporting missions? Do you enjoy being able to have revival meetings and bring other folks in and such? Well, where's all that money going to come from? Is God just going to dump that out of the clouds and out of the sky and say, here, I'm going to take care of all that? No, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from God's people being obedient in giving their tithes and offerings systematically on a regular basis, week after week, month after month, year after year. Amen? Amen? And by the way, the tithe is not just for the wealthy. God made it fair. He said a tenth. If your salary is $100 a week, your tithe is $10 a week. If your salary is $1,000 a week, your, your, your tithe is $100 a week and so on. God made it fair. Amen? And anybody can tithe and every Christian certainly all to tithe. Amen? And so it's to provide for the support and ongoing ministry of the local church. Let me give you the second reason. The second reason we all tithe is to demonstrate our faith, love, and obedience to God. To demonstrate our faith, love, and obedience to God. You say, I couldn't tithe. You don't have any faith. You say, I can't tithe. You probably don't believe the Bible. Amen? Listen, when I got saved, listen, I didn't know nothing about tithing. 
My, 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 when I first got, I didn't know nothing about it. I grew up in an old liberal church, and when I got saved in a good old Baptist church and heard the truth, and, and, I, and, and the preacher said, you're supposed to tithe, I said, okay, the Bible said that's what I'm going to do. There wasn't no question it. Amen. And when I started tithing, there was no way I could afford to because, listen, my outgo exceeded my income. Anybody ever been there? But I said, I'm going to obey God first. He comes first. Amen. And he has taken care of me ever since then. That's been 1983. Amen. 1983. And so you tithe to demonstrate your love and your faith and your obedience to God. When you're tithing, you're saying, Lord... I love you, and your word says that I'm supposed to tithe. And so out of my love for you, I want to be obedient to you. I want to obey your word. And I also, Lord, it's going to take me some faith to do this. And I, and I, But I believe you'll take care of me because I believe 90% with you as my partner will go further than 100% without you. And it will. Every time. Amen. And so God, out of faith, and believing your word is true, you can make provision for my needs, so I'm going to give you my tithe. And again, you know what's wrong with a Christian who, who, who won't tithe? They're, either they're just flat being rebellious against the word of God, or else they really don't believe what the Bible says. He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Amen. And if a person really believes the Bible and really trusts God, they wouldn't have any issue with tithing whatsoever. And so we ought to do that to show our faith and our love and our obedience unto the Lord. But thirdly, we ought to tithe to demonstrate God's faithfulness. God's faithful. Amen? He said he'd take care of us. Look what he says down here. Look a little bit further, if you would, in verse 10. He said, prove me now in this. That means test me, saith the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there'll not be room enough to receive it. This is not that name it and claim it and blab it and grab it doctrine. Or, 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 amen? No, this is just good old Bible. He says, I'll take care of you and I'll bless you. Amen? And I believe that, and I, and I know that from personal experience. And he said, I'll pour out blessings, there'll not be room enough to receive. He said, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. In their case, in that day, you know, it was an agriculture society. And the devoured be those things that would ruin the fruits. He says, they'll not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, we've got a devourer. What's his name? His name is Satan the devil. And God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Amen. Amen? And so we tithe to demonstrate God's faithfulness. That's why God says, test me. Prove me now in this. He says, you don't think I can take care of you on 90%? You don't think you can live on 90%? You, you say, man, preacher, I can't afford to tithe. You hear me, hear me right now. If you're a child of God, you cannot afford not to tithe. Amen? That's right. Amen? You can't. You can't afford not to tithe. And, uh, and anyway, uh, he says, prove me in this. Test me. So you tithe to prove God's faith. Here's another reason. You tithe to God through your local church. Remember, the tithe, you always give it to God. 
You say, I don't want to give it to that church down there. I don't like the way they're spending the money. They, they may do something wrong with it. Hey, you, you give it to God, you give it to the local church. If the church does something wrong, don't worry about it. You gave it to God anyway. Amen. I've seen backslidden Christians say, well, I'll just put my tithe in the bank every month and I'll, I won't give until they get a different pastor or a different preacher or until I get my way in the church. You're just inviting God's judgment on your life. Amen? Because you really don't believe the Bible anyway, and you really don't love the Lord anyhow, or you would tithe and give him what he said to give him. Amen? And, and so you tithe to advance the kingdom of God. You know, the purpose of the church is not just take care of us four and no more. Purpose of the church is not just to pat you on the back and make sure you're comfortable. The purpose of the church, friend, is get the gospel out to your community, to the, your state, in this nation, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. We're not doing that. We don't have a right to call ourselves a church. Amen? That's the real purpose of the church and to advance the kingdom of God. And another reason we, and, and friends, that takes money. Have you noticed that? Well, you know, ministry, they always wanting money. Listen, friend, you go to the store, you're going to spend some money? You're going to put gas in your vehicle, you're going to spend some money? Huh? Amen? Well, ministry takes money to advance the kingdom of God. And then finally, you ought to tithe. Now, listen, this is an important one, to acknowledge the lordship of Christ over your life. Is he Lord or not? Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you? Somebody said, oh, Jesus is my Lord. He is Lord of my life, and that's great. He ought to be, but you're not tithing. Don't you dare go around saying that because he's not. Amen? He ought to be Lord over your finances as well as other areas of your life. How many of you ever heard of old Sam Houston? I mean, we're right here on the Texas line. How many? How many? Okay, we all have. Yeah. Man, I read a story about him. I didn't know this until I read this book. You know, he, got, he was a pretty rough dude. <laughs> and he got saved. And he got saved and he wanted to be baptized. They are going to baptize him in a, in a creek or a pond, I think it actually was. They call them, what, tanks in Texas. And anyway, uh, you know, they never have had stuff right down. Anyway, no. But, uh, and they were going to baptize him. And they told him, they said, sir, you need to take your wallet out of your pocket. He said, no, leave it in there. He said, I want to be baptized wallet and all. Amen. Amen. Now, there are a lot of Christians' wallets had not been baptized apparently. Huh? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe if every person in any, I don't care what church it is, in any church, I don't care if they have 20 members, if they have 2,000 members, I believe if every member that just attended, those that you can count on that attend, if everybody would just give the minimum that God expects, that's a tithe, I believe every church would have more resources, what they need to accomplish and do everything they need to do. Amen? I believe that because God will bless it and he'll honor Well, let's talk about the practice of the tithe now. The practice of the tithe. Let's look back at it again. I keep wearing out this verse 10 here. and uh, But back up to verse 8, if you will. Look what he says. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. You say, well, well, how have I robbed thee? He said in tithes and offerings, and you're cursed with a curse. 
because you've robbed me, even the whole nation. So what do you do? Bring the tithes into the storehouse. And then he gives us all the promises, you know, if we'll be obedient to do that. Now, again, the only people that ever complain about when a preacher preaches on tithing are, are the non-tithers. Isn't that true? Man, somebody's tithing ought to really be enjoying this message. In fact, you come up and thank me afterwards. Amen? But I, listen, I'm smart enough to know. Any church, I don't care if there's any church I go to, not everybody tithes. Amen? And, uh, and so there are those who try to rationalize not tithing. They, they even try to justify it biblically. You can't, by the way. But they say things like this. Well, that was just Old Testament, preacher. We're not in the Old Testament. We don't live under the law. That's exactly right. We don't live under the law. Thank God we don't live under the law. Amen? And so, preacher, see, we're under grace. We're not under the law. So, see, I, we don't need to tithe then. Well, not so quick about that. Amen? And I, I, this is what I've always believed. Anybody that won't do more under grace than under a law is a disgrace to grace. Amen? Let's, let's look at a few things. Number one, tithing was practiced before the law ever came into existence. Did you know that? When we talk about the law, we talk about the Ten Commandments and the, and the law, uh, the law of God. And, and look over it. Uh, well, let's go back to Genesis. Go back to the first book of your Bible, Genesis uh, 14. Genesis chapter 14. And uh, look at verses... Let's look at verse 18 through 20. It says, And Melchizedek, and that's a whole other sermon there, king of Salem brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him, and, and he blessed Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thy enemies into thy hand, and he gave him what? Tithes of all. See, the law wasn't in the place yet. Law didn't even exist yet. And so it was practiced before the law. Look over at chapter 28 of Genesis while we're in the neighborhood. Uh, Genesis 28, and uh, look about verse 22. It says, And on this stone, which I've set for a pillar, shall be God's house, and all that thou shalt give me I will surely give a what? Tenth, a tithe unto thee. Unto who? To the Lord. Amen? You give your tithe unto the Lord today through the local church. So we see tithing was practiced, obviously, before the law ever came into existence. Number two, tithing was practiced under the law, wasn't it? We all know that. Look at Leviticus chapter 27, all right? Leviticus 27 for just a moment. Let's just look at one verse here. Look what he says, Leviticus 27, 30. He says, "...and all the tithe of the land..." Whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is the Lord's, and it's holy unto the Lord. Yes. Amen. So it was practiced under law. But then thirdly, Jesus reinforced it in the New Testament. You say, wait a minute. No, just turn with me. Look over at Matthew 5, and then we'll turn over to Matthew 23. I want to set up. Uh, 23 by looking at chapter 5. In chapter 5 of Matthew, verses 17, Jesus says, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to what? 
fulfill. He was the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. And he said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, that just means a, a slight marking of a pen right in the Scripture, shall not pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Now look over at Matthew 23. Matthew 23, he's dealing with the Pharisees here, the religious leaders of that day. And by the way, Jesus didn't think real highly of the religious group of his day. Amen? In fact, they were constantly in, in conflict with one another. And in, in Matthew 23, verse 23, it, this is what Jesus says to the religious leaders of his day. He says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. Can you imagine starting a sermon out that way? That's the way Jesus did. And he said, You pay tithe of mint, anus, and, and, and cumin. In other words, these were little plants that had little leaves on them. And, and a, a Pharisee were so legalistic, they would sit down and they'd pluck, off, they'd pluck off a leaf off each one of these plants as a tithe. They would do that to make sure that they tithe. And, and Jesus points out to, to them, he says, you do this, but you've omitted the, weight, the weightier matters of the law, which is judgment, mercy, and faith. Th- these you ought to have done. Yes. You ought to have done but not leave the others undone. Amen? Jesus, Jesus spoke. He reinforced the tithe, friend. You, and what's my point is simply this. You can't get away from tithing in any part of the Bible. Yeah. You, you just can't. You can't get away from it, all right? Amen? Now, I believe today uh, under grace and the new tithe, not only do I believe that Christians all the tithe, I believe we ought to be givers and we ought to be in the grace giving and we ought to give beyond a tithe. Amen? We, we ought to certainly give the minimal a tithe which belongs to church. And, we, and, and when we can, as God blesses us, we ought to give beyond the tithe. Amen? We ought to do that and God will bless us for it. You listen, you can't outgive God, can you? It's impossible. So let's look at the problem of the non-tither. All right? The problem of the non-tither. Go back to, uh, go back to Malachi again. All right, go back to Malachi. Now, what is the problem with the non-tither? Well, first of all, the non-tither is a rebel. He's a rebel. You say, where do you get that, preacher? Well, look what he says. Verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from me or from my ordinances, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, how shall we return? All right. And so he's pointing out that they were a rebel. And he's speaking to the children of Israel here. And he says, you know, from the days of your fathers, you have strayed away from me. Amen. And he's saying, you need to return to me. And they said, well, how have we? How have we gone away from you, Lord? How have we strayed away from you? And there's many ways that they did, by the way. But he points out one right here. He says, in tithes and offerings. Amen? They knew they needed to do it, but they didn't do it. See, they were rebels. What I mean by that, they had a rebellious spirit. They were living in direct disobedience against God and against his word. And friends, the reason some Christians don't feel a closeness to God like they ought to feel is because they're not tithing. They are a rebel before God. And God's not going to bless that. Amen? 
Secondly, a non-tither is not only a rebel, a non-tither is a robber. A non-tither is a robber. You say, where do you get that, verse 8? He says, will a man rob God, or literally rob from God, yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Lord, how have we done that? In tithes and offerings. He specifies two different things, doesn't he? And look at the result of that. You're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, even the whole nation. The whole nation was guilty of this. So a non-tither is a rebel. A non-tither is a robber. Now, how would you feel if somebody called you a thief or called you a robber? You'd say, man, I don't like that. Well, I'll tell you what, our churches are full of thieves and crooks and robbers. We got churches that barely keep their doors open, and so they have to go to worldly means to try to having garage sales and bake sales and all. Boy, that really impresses God. They got to go to the world to get money to keep the church going and do the things they need to do. Amen. Amen. Why? Because God's people, some of God's people, are crooks. They're robbing from God. They're withholding their tithes. And their offerings. And friend, if you're a Christian and you don't tithe to God through your local church, you are guilty of being a robber. And you're not robbing from God. I mean, you're not robbing from the church. You are robbing from God. You're not robbing from the preacher. You're not robbing from the denomination. You're robbing from God. Now, how would you feel if some guys came in here next Sunday and God forbid that it would happen, but some guys come in here next Sunday wearing ski masks and they hold up the guys during the offering time with, with, with AR rifles and they rock, take your offering plates and they run out of the building. You say, man, I'd be upset about it. A- amen. And rightfully so, right? Because they stole from you. But they really stole from God. Yes. But you know what? That happens every Sunday in most churches, only they're not wearing ski masks and they're not toting any iron. Hello? They're withholding their tithes and offerings. Same principle. It's no different. It's robbing from God. Amen? So the non-tither's a rebel. The non-tither is is a a robber. And thirdly, a non-tither will reap the results of disobedience. He, He or she will reap it. That's what he says in verse 9. He said, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even the whole nation. What does the Bible in the New Testament say about this? It says, you will reap what you sow, right? What you sow. We all know that's true. That's true agriculturally. That's true in every area of life, isn't it? It it is true in every area of life. We're going to reap what we sow. And friends, you'll never, listen, your finances will uh, will never be in order. You'll never have enough if you withhold the tithe. And uh, you say, well, if I tithe, does that mean my car is never going to break down ever again? No, it doesn't mean that. doesn't mean that. It may mean, though, that it might last a little longer. Well, if I tithe, I'm, the tire's going to, I'm not, the tire's not ever going to wear out? Well, of course they're going to wear out their tires. Amen? But again, they might last a little bit longer. 
Well, does that mean my washing machine and stuff not ever going to break down? Well, washing machines still break down even if you're a tither. But you know what? God might provide another one for you. He might even just give you one. A amen. Huh? Refrigerators. On and on we could go. Automobiles. Whatever. Does that mean I'm never going to get sick, not ever have medical bills? No, it doesn't mean that at all. That's, that can happen to anybody no matter what. But that for a Christian, listen to me, that's just an opportunity for you to trust God Amen. and allow him to prove his faithful. That's not a time to withhold your tithe. No, you continue to trust God. You continue to tithe. God ought to get paid first. Amen? Amen. And then God will take care of you if you honor him in what you need to do, all right? He, he has promised to do that. And look again what he says here. Look down at verse 10 one more time. And he says, uh, he says, See, if I'll not open the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing, not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Isn't that good stuff? So the Lord says, try me. Test me. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you accepted that challenge? What did Jesus say? He said, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Friends, God has, has promised to supply your needs. He's promised to even bless you beyond that. But he wants you to trust him and walk by faith, and be obedient. Listen, God will bless a church that's a tithing church. Amen? He'll bless a Christian that is a tither. You think about it. We have to give our government at least 15%, the IRS, and they're nothing but a bunch of crooks and thieves. You're welcome. Thank you. Now, I'm not taking it back. It's the truth. Nothing but a bunch of crooks and thieves. Amen? from the top all the way down. And we'll give them at least 15%, but we won't give God, who is holy and righteous, we won't give him a measly tenth. We won't trust him. Amen? Consequences are a lot worse. So we need to trust him and give unto him. Friend, I... I couldn't tell you how many opportunities I've had over the years where God has just tested me and he has proved over and over and over and over that you can't outgive him and that he'll take care of you. I heard about this uh, guy one time, and I'm going to close on this. He, uh, he, Brother Richard, he came to see his pastor one day, made an appointment with him. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. He said, I've been in this church a long time. And he says, you know, I used to tithe very faithfully. And the pastor said, yeah. He said, well, you know, back when I made $300 a week, it was easy to write out that $30 check and tithe every week. He said, I did that faithfully. He said, uh-huh, go on. He said, I start, he said, I got a raise, remember that? I started making $500 a week. He said, it was still easy to tithe. He said, then, next thing you knew, over the years, I started making $1,000 a week. And he said, man, he said, but I continued to tithe on that $1,000 a week. And, and he said, I was able to do that. But he says, you know about the job I have now, preacher. Preacher said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, you know, he said, I'm making the six digits now. He said, there's no way I could tithe on that amount of money. 
the pastor immediately dropped down behind his desk on his knees and he started praying. And the church member said, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying for you. He said, why are you praying? He said, I'm going to pray that God will reduce your salary back to 300 a week so you can tithe again. And he can do it, by the way. Amen? You don't rob from God. And friend, if we ever expect to see revival in the church in America, there won't be any revival in America until the church experiences revival. Listen, the wor- you say, well, the world's so, yeah, the world's all messed up. Worst shape it's ever been. Our nation's the worst shape it's ever been in. But listen, the lost world's just acting like a lost world. Well, they need to straighten up. No, they just need Jesus. And it's the church's responsibility to tell them. Amen? It's our, God's charged us with that. That's our responsibility. And so they're just acting like lost people act. That's the, way our, the reason our government acts the way they are, because we got lost people running our government. The reason our nation's in the shape it's in, because we got lost people in control of our... Amen? The reason we got the junk going on in our society, in our world, is because that's lostness. That's the effect of sin. And people just need Jesus. Amen? It's just the way it is. But listen, there'll never be revival in the church in America as long as God's people are robbing from God. We need to get right in every area of our lives. Would you agree? And that includes in tithes and in offerings. You know, I don't know where everybody is here tonight. I don't have a clue. I don't have any, I don't have a clue. I just know that God told me to preach this message. Amen? And I believe it's a vital, important part of revival. And if I'd, I'd say anything to God tonight, I'd ask him to forgive me for not preaching on this enough. When I was a pastor, I pastored 22 years before God put me in evangelism. I've been, this is my 13th year in evangelism. I used to take the whole month of March and I preached on tithing every Sunday for a month. Every March. Every March. I did that every single year. Not the same message every week, but I preached a series of messages on tithing. And I also wrote Sunday school lessons and I had every Sunday school class teaching on tithing. Whole month of March, we did that every single year. And I used to tell all the backsliders that don't tithe, I'd say, hey, I know you're not going to like my messages, so why don't you just stay home the whole month of March? Because I said, you're not going to like it. But I'm still going to preach it. Amen? And we need to preach the whole counsel of God. And I want you to understand this as I close. You know, when God shows you a spiritual truth, When he shows you a spirit, you're reading your Bible or you're listening to a sermon or or whatever and God reveals a spiritual truth to you. You all with me on that? When he does that, I want you to hear what I'm about to say and I'll close. All growth, spiritual growth is what I mean, and, and maturity in your life stops. It ceases until you put that truth into practice in your life. He shows you a truth. You say, man, I I need to be doing this, but I'm not going to do it. Your growth and your maturity in the Lord comes to a halt. 
you're not going any further. Not an inch. Until you obey what he has shown you to do. Amen? Dr. David Jeremiah, how many of you know who he is? About all of us do. You know, he's on TV, I think, a hundred times a week. And uh, he's a good preacher. I love Dr. Jeremiah, good Southern Baptist preacher, by the way. He said this. I just thought of this, and I jotted this down in my notes and forgot about it. He said, the group today that believes in tithing in the church, he said, you know where they're at today? They're either in the retirement home, the nursing home, or the cemetery. Because we got a generation today that doesn't even know what it is. Amen? Hey, I don't care if you're 20 years old and just got married, you ought to tithe. And if you got 15 kids, you ought to tithe. I don't care if you're making a million dollars a year, you ought to tithe on that million dollars a year. Making a million a year, you ought to be able to give a lot more than a tithe. You're living on Social Security, you ought to tithe. Amen? Be obedient to God and trust God to take care of you and supply our needs. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, if you would, please. In just a few brief moments, we'll have our invitation.